Dear friends and fans, welcome to the fourth episode of the Customer Experience Show. In these mini interview sessions, we're talking with the world's greatest minds and we get to pick their brains for 20 minutes. Our sole aim is to bring you practical ideas that you can listen to today and start implementing from tomorrow. Creating unique and unforgettable experiences is the key to creating a differentiated and sustainable business, especially in this day and age. In the second part of our show, our head of business development, Sofia Shilimindri, will be selecting questions from the audience. So feel free to type your questions on Facebook, LinkedIn, or YouTube from wherever you're watching us. This week is the customer service week, and who better to have on our show than Sheb Haiken? Welcome, Sheb, to our show. Michael, great to be here. Thanks for having me, and happy customer service week. <laughs> happy customer service week. Just a few words about Sheb. He's a Hall of Fame speaker and a New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestselling author. His focus is on delivering amazing customer service, customer engagement, managing the customer experience, and creating customer loyalty. As a customer service experience expert and keynote speaker, Shep works with companies who want to build loyal relationships with their customers and employees. Wow, Chef, it's a pleasure and an this honor to have you Thanks. on our show. <laughs> My mom would be happy with that introduction. Thank you. <laughs> happy <laughs> that we made your mom proud. So, Shep, we had a lot of questions from our fans and friends. Let me ask the first question, and then we get to our fans' questions. Sure. It's called the Customer Service Week. Why isn't it called the Customer Experience Week? Where well, actually, we yeah, <laughs> yes. go ahead. Yeah, where should we place our emphasis on experience or on service and which will make our company even more successful? Wow. So the short answer is yes. Okay. <laughs> so, so why is it called Customer Service Week? Because back in around 1983 or 84, the International Customer Service Association, that's what they called it. Back then, there was no such thing as what we refer to today as customer experience. And there is a day uh, this month where it's called Customer Experience Day, uh, just as a way to, to focus on it. But customers, and then I'll, I'll, I'll get back to your original question. So, you know, Customer Service Week was really not about serving customers, but recognizing the employees who serve the customers. Um, most people get that confused. I'm all right with that confusion because I think it should be both. Let's celebrate the great people and let's also recognize we've got awesome customers that keep us in business. So, Back to your uh, uh, original question is like, which should we look at experience or service? Um, I know there's a question about the difference between service and experience. And can we talk about that? Yes, now? please. Yes, okay, please. great. Because then you'll see you can't have one without the other. Years ago, somebody really smart said, hey, let's call customer service customer experience. It sounds so much sexier and cooler. <laughs> and people said, yeah, and it was the same. But then somebody said, no, it's not the same. Experience is more than just service. Most people think of service as the interactions. By the way, we're away from customer service as a department are the people that answer phones. But I believe service is more of a philosophy that's embraced by every employee. You know, at Walt Disney, you're hired to do three jobs. Uh, you're, the job you're hired to do, which could be anything, you know picking up trash off the ground, which by the way, is a, everybody's job. That's the third job at Disney, but it could be selling uh, drinks, working in a shop, helping people get on a ride, a ticket there. So you do the job you're hired to do, 
and you take care of the guest, no matter what your job is, and you keep the part clean. But uh, that, so I digress, but the idea is service is everybody's job. Experience goes beyond the interaction that customers have with with, uh, the companies they do business with. The experience is everything the customer has. So if I open, uh, I'm looking for the box. Usually I have one here. My iPhone came in a very cool box. Just opening the box was an experience. When I received a package here in the U.S. from Amazon, you get excited. I got another Amazon package delivered. Just, you know, the way the brown box with the, you know, writing on the side, you know it's Amazon, you're expecting the package. It's part of the experience. It has nothing to do with the actual service, but service itself is part of the overall experience. So, so I hope that now, makes sense. It yeah. does. If you do one job, you're doing customer service. If you do three jobs, you're doing customer experience. So now I, like I got it. Yeah, yeah, I got it. So, uh, Shep, you've written a great article in Forbes magazine, and you answered the question, what do customers really want? So can you please tell our fans and friends, what do you believe customers really want? And I know if there are too many pillars, just pick one or two, please. Right. Well, let's just, I'll, I'll try to make it real simple. What customers really want is um, they want to trust. So people like to do business with people and companies they know, like, and trust. Okay. So the trust part is the hardest part, but that comes as a result of confidence that the company creates with the customer to the customer knowing this is the way it's always going to be. So they want an above average experience. They don't need an over the top, blow me away. This is the most incredible service I've ever had every single time. But when it's above average, when people say, you know what, they're always so knowledgeable. They always get back to me quickly. They're always so friendly that we're always followed by something positive. That's what customers want. That's one of the basics. They just want an experience that is a little above average that they can always count on. Uh, they also want the companies to stand behind what they do. And that means that even when there's a problem, you know you can always count on the company to take care of the customer. And uh, so those are the basics uh, to me. And if we can deliver on that, our, our customers will say, wow, they're amazing. Why wouldn't we want to always do business with them? Very true, very true. Third question comes from one of our fans and friends, our loyal fans and friends. He says, what has changed in terms of customer service in the post-COVID era? Is it still important to be empathetic and kind, or should we be more firm uh, when addressing or talking to customers? So I think one of the things that uh, COVID forced us to do, and by the way, uh, if you, if you, we call it post COVID, but reality is we're still in the middle of it all. So we haven't gotten out of it yet. It's post the introduction of COVID. <laughs> so, so it's like there was BC and AC before COVID and after COVID, but right now we're still in the middle of COVID. <laughs> so, um, it, the, uh, the empathy is really important more today than it seems ever before. Although, our customers are becoming more comfortable with this new way that we're forced to do business with people. So uh, pre-COVID, I believe we still needed empathy. But when we we looked at some surveys in the U.S. and in Europe, and there was uh, this really interesting statistic that said that 38 to 40 percent increase in the desire for somebody that would normally go to a digital self-service channel to get support, to get help, they're now calling to talk to a human being just because they want a connection. 
They don't even realize they're doing it, but it's psychological. So I think today we need to be a little bit more empathetic than normal. Although empathy, if you go back and you read articles, you can go back 10, 12, 15 years, you'll find articles about how important it is to put empathy into the workplace. Into the workplace. Now, firm, where we need to stand firm, uh, I hate the word policy and rules. I believe guidelines are more important. Or but there are certain areas that are related to COVID. If we want, and by the way, it's some in some places like where I live, it's mandatory you wear masks in the stores. That you know, every you have to do this. But there's certain places around here in the U.S. that you don't have to do that. And if you choose to be a store that doesn't require any of that realize certain customers may not come in because they don't feel safe. So uh, firm and, and uh, restrictions, if you will, you have to decide there at that point, you do make a rule or a policy. Uh, there was a, 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 a grocery store that had to turn away people who were normal, regular customers because they refused to wear a mask and they feared losing those customers forever. And then they realize if this is the type of customer they are, where they're not going to care about others and the safety for others, maybe we don't want them as customers at all. So, uh, but it was real tough to say, I'm sorry, you can't go in without the mask. By the way, we have masks here for you. We'll give you a mask so you can go in, but you have to wear it. And somebody's saying, well, it's, I'm in the United States. We can do what we want. It's a right not to do it. Not if you're coming into our store, you don't have to wear a mask if you don't want, but here- you do. So be empathetic where it's needed and be firm where it's yep. needed. Yep. So uh, just hello from Antonia. She's money. She's one of the, she's a great fan of yours. You've written in one of your newsletter about Antonia. She asked you a question. Oh yeah, she's, yeah, yeah. I see her there. Yeah. How you yeah. doing? <laughs> she's from my country, Cyprus. And we also have a hello from uh, the head of business school at UCL, one of the best universities in the world. University College Landon Richard Pettinger, he says, hi, and sorry I'm late. Richard, you're <laughs> never late. <You're laughs> uh, fourth question, why is it easier for most companies to drop their prices, as one of our funds is asking, rather than increase their customer experience efforts? Why is it well, easier to drop their price and increase their customer experience efforts? Yeah, if, if people think, so here's the thing, dropping the price is a, is a, is a valid strategy but realize that that long term it doesn't work because how because if your customers only come to you because your price is low and you claim to be where the lowest price is with the moment the customer comes finds somebody else that is a lower price they're loyal to the price they're not loyal to the company that's the best way of saying it and by the way nothing wrong if that's your business strategy but in in the US you've got Walmart and you've got Walmart around the world, uh, but Walmart is a huge, gigantic retailer that is known for the lowest prices. What they're not known for is delivering a level of service that is on par with you know, higher-end luxury types of businesses. But that's okay, because what they offer up is friendly service, that if you find somebody, they're going to be nice to you. They're going to help you. They just don't have as many people as maybe a, a fancy store might have. And it's totally fine. On the flip side, if you can create an experience uh, where you get a reputation and uh, for being, you know, ha having that high level experience where you have uh, 
well, your customers know this is what they're going to get. It makes the price less sensitive, less relevant. You may still need to be competitive, but the value that you offer allows you not to worry about being the lowest price always. And uh, price uh, can be easily undercut, whereas right. customer experience, customer service cannot be easily imitated. Yep. Uh, yep. Final question from me, and then I will turn the microphone over to Sophia Shilimindi, our business development manager, just in case she has uh, any questions coming live. Can you tell us, and maybe we can hear a story from you, can you tell us one customer experience or customer service tip that you wish you knew when you first started your career? Oh, wow. I tell you, you know, I, my customer, I, my first job, I was nine years old. I worked in a pharmacy. It was my grandpa's pharmacy. I knew you're supposed to be nice to customers. And when I started my first business at age 12, I was a birthday party magician where I would be hired to entertain little kids at birthday parties and do my magic show. My parents said, write a thank you note. Uh, that's a great lesson in customer appreciation. But my dad said, call a week later, thank the customers again, and ask them, did you like the show? That's called getting feedback. Then get specific. What tricks did you like the best? And they'll wow. tell you. And after wow. a while, you start to see the pattern. And you know what works and what doesn't work. And all of a sudden, you're uh, delivering a, a better show. Well, it's the same in business. And if I think back as to what lessons that I wish I knew then that I, I, you know, that I didn't know, I think that the basics in customer service are so basic and so simple uh, that your parents can teach them to you when you're 12 years old. So I know this is not the exact answer, but even today, if companies would listen to my mom and dad when I was 12, they would be far better off. Not all, I mean, some companies are just nailing it, but the companies that are lagging, this is what you need to do. Be nice, show appreciation, find out if you're doing a good job and fix it if you're not. Great. And they should also listen to your grandfather, not only to your mother and father. <laughs> That's my grandfather, too. <laughs> very good. So uh, thank you very much for this. I'll turn the microphone over to Sophia uh, mm -hmm. just to let us know if we have any questions, any question coming in. I, I like this comment over. from uh, yeah. Saeed Hussein, yeah. Uh, yeah. who says, your price is never too expensive. It's a reflection of your value. I mean, it, it that's your experience can offset price issues. And, and again, it's not going to make it completely irrelevant. If if I want to buy this microphone and the average price is $200, but there's a store that might be $210, I say, you know, it's worth the extra few dollars. Yeah, there you go to get the microphone. However, <laughs> they can't charge me $800 for it. <laughs> you know, they could if it came hand delivered with uh, somebody setting it up and then teaching me how to use it and spending two hours making sure that I deliver the best sound Ever I'll be, then it might be worth it. But yeah, you true. have to just keep, you know, keep that in mind. Savia Pablo, Pablo says she loves that. She loves that. Excellent explanation. Sophia. Amazing. Any okay. Yes, we have a question that came uh, before the show, and I think it's an interesting question for many businesses. The question is coming from Sergios, who works at the airport duty free, and he's asking, the nature of our business is high traffic with low customer repetition. How can we excel in offering an amazing customer experience when most probably the customer will never visit again? And when the customer does visit our shop has relatively a very short time to spend. How can we amaze this customer? Well, 
Great question. And uh, there's so many answers that come to mind. Number one is you hire the right people that are friendly because you can teach people to run the cash register, but hire the people that are friendly, that are engaging and make just the simple art of being nice and engagement part of the experience. Realize, and Michael, you said it, that people may not come back to that particular location, but maybe it's a brand that's in other airports. So you're adding to the reputation. But what if they don't? It doesn't matter. I believe you said uh, the the brand, or I'm sorry, the experience will be talked about. And your reputation is- Word of mouth, word of mouth. Even if it's just one time that somebody's there, they'll talk about the great people or the terrible experience. I hope it's, you know, the great people. (laughs) Yes, true. Uh, uh, Sophia, there is a question from Elada Palmiri. She's saying, who's a good friend uh, and a classmate, she's saying that, can you give us an example, Sherp, of how you managed to win back a dissatisfied customer? How should companies win back dissatisfied customers? Well, well, I'm going to give you, in the shortest possible time, five steps, okay? And I'm going to go through them real fast, and then I'm going to break it down. Number, so this is the five-step process to eliminating the moment of misery, the complaint, the problem. Number one, you must acknowledge it. Number two, you apologize for it. And you can flip one and two. You can apologize first, acknowledge second. But those two things come before anything else. Number three, you discuss what you're going to do to fix it if you, or fix it right there on the spot. Number four, you own what comes your way so you don't blame others. And number five, you act with urgency. So let me give you the most basic example, uh, if you think about it. Uh, I'm sitting at dinner at a restaurant. My friend, we all order salads. My, this is a true story. My friend next to me, his salad looks like there's hardly any salad on the plate where everybody else's salad is overflowing with salad, <laughs> okay? And my friend says to the server, who, by the way, before, at the very, very beginning, we knew this is not a good server. But my friend says to this gentleman, excuse me, sir, but... Look at my salad compared to their salad. What's wrong here? (laughs) And the server says, looks at it and says, I don't make them. I just serve them. And he turns around and walks away. Well, well, this this didn't seem right. What would, first of all, a good server should probably not have put that salad down and noticed it. But let's say it got by that good person. Uh, There was the bad server. There was no acknowledgement other than, hey, too bad. (laughs) That's it. He blamed the people in the back without really saying so. He goes, I don't make them. I just serve them, saying the people in the back are the ones at fault. There was no discussion of, I'm going to bring you another one. I'm going to fix it. No acting with urgency. But a good server would have said, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize. I am so sorry. They just acknowledge and apologize. Tell you what I'm going to do, what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back and get you a salad right away and bring it right back out. And in that short sentence, they discussed what the resolution was going to be. They took accountability and ownership for it. And they said they're going to do it quickly. And then, of course, they did. So that's what you do. Acknowledge, apologize, fix it, own it with urgency. Excellent reply, Shep. Uh, Sophia, we have another one or two questions from Konstantinos Vasiliou and Georgina Ibrahim. Can you please ask the questions if possible? Yeah, so I think the question from Georgina is relevant to what you're saying about this server. So <laughs> do, you, do you think that everyone is, wor- is meant to work in customer service or are they just people who cannot train? <laughs> so uh, the answer is no, not everybody is meant to be on the front line delivering great service. It's not that they're bad people. 
It's just that their behavioral style, their personalities are more introverted. Maybe they're not comfortable. So those people, by the way, they love to work in the accounting department. They like to work in another area. They love to do what they do and they love their jobs. Then there are people that are outgoing and want to take care of people. And by the way, if you put those people in the back office, in the filing room, they're going to go crazy because they want to be with other people and take care of people. So we just need to make sure we hire the right people. And then we need to train them, not just on how to do what they already inherently know how to do right in the correct way for this company. We also need to train them on the technical skill of service. For example, if you go to work at a customer support center, you may have a great outgoing personality, but we still need to teach you how to use the computer. If you come to work at a restaurant and you've got a great personality and you're going to take care of people, we still need to teach you, you know, you pick up the dishes from this side of the person, you put that, I call that the technical side of service. So we teach both the soft skill and the technical side to deliver the combination of a great experience. So hire for attitude and train for skill. Don't hire for skill and train Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an yeah. old saying, but it's so yeah. relevant, yeah. but there's a big part of it. So Jim Bush, who at the time uh, when I interviewed him was the senior vice president worldwide of American Express. He was in charge of all of the customer support centers worldwide. He said, if he had a choice of hiring somebody that knew how to work the computer or hiring somebody that never worked on that computer before, but worked at a hotel front desk for the last five years. He'd rather have that person working behind the front desk of a hotel who's got that hospitality mentality and that right attitude because he can train people to navigate through the computer screens uh, that you need in a support center. Brilliant answers. Thank That's you very amazing. much. Uh, yes. For those who are asking questions about pricing, uh, just note that we are starting a show and Sophia will brief you in uh, very soon. A Q&A show where you can come live and ask your questions. And pricing is the number one topic we're going to be discussing. So, Constantinos, you can ask the same question when we go live with that show. And, Sophia, any other question for Shep? We have another two or three minutes. You let us know if we, if we have another question. And then we can wrap I it up. I think maybe a little twist because we have too many questions and uh, we cannot really answer everything, but um, uh, I think the question from Natalie is a very good one. How to convince new customers to buy your product or service if they, if they all care about price? And it's similar to what Costadinos is asking. I'm new in the market, uh, I have no track record, and everything is about price. So if you can give us some indications. Right. So, so no doubt, if you're brand new, price is a leader to get you in the door. And once you get somebody in the door, you've proved the value through the experience. And over time, your reputation with experience will start to overcome price sensitivity, which it, we talked a little bit about before. So it's, it's, it takes time. Every business is going to be different. And the way you market to a customer, the way you treat them when they're in your store, if you're a retail business, will will make a change. I saw a question real quick about sales and service. What's the difference? Yes. What's the difference? Yeah, I kind of think it ties in. If you're on the front line selling, okay, if you don't give them a, an experience that's positive. And by the way, to me, customer service, philosophical, but anything one-on-one. -on -one, if I'm dealing internally with somebody, I'm giving them a level of service 
to my internal customer. If I'm a salesperson talking to a customer, even though I'm not the customer service department, I'm still delivering that positive experience, which adds to the overall experience of people saying, you know, hey, everybody there, they're always so friendly. You know, there's that <laughs> word always again. But that's so uh, amazing. Yeah, keep working the value side of the service and the convenience that you deliver and price will become less relevant. But as you enter into the market, uh, you you want you, you just got to be careful how you position that price or else people will just see you as the low price. Uh, and, and something that my late father told me, Shep, is that if you put your prices very low and you're good, they will never go high or it will take a long time to go high. So, Costandinos, right. that's another whole topic on that issue. Uh, but you can do some market research in, I don't know which uh, area or which industry you're in, and then don't keep your life, uh, prices low because we'll, you'll find it very difficult to get them higher up. Whereas if you put them high and you're not worth it, they will come down. No worries at all, very fast. So, um, Sophia, anything that's else? All. Okay. Um, we have one last question. Okay, we were supposed to finish five minutes ago, but uh, if you allow us... <laughs> <laughs> give them more than they thought they were going to get. We always do, right? Elisabetta, Elisabetta hello, yes. she says from Cyprus. <laughs> hello, Elisabetta. So, yeah, Elisabetta is asking, how often does a business need to make trainings for the staff, especially ah, okay. when the staff is rotating? Maybe we yeah. can answer this as a last question. That's and, a great question, yeah. by the way. I love that. So number one, everybody thinks customer services, like let's onboard this new employee and we'll teach them about how to talk to the customer and how to deliver service. Great. We've done that. Let's never teach them ever again. And wrong. No, it's customer service training or any type of training. It's not something you did. It's something you do. So you don't have to spend a lot of time on it, but on an ongoing basis, you should spend a short even if it's three to five minutes once a week to just remind people of the importance, share a story of something that happened last week. Take, show how somebody turned a moment of misery, a problem into something positive, you know, and use stories as an example. Uh, I have clients that every day they do that, not every week or every month. Uh, the Ritz Carlton, before every shift, they take five minutes to talk to their team uh, and in every department about how to deliver on one of the 24 gold standards. And each day they rotate, you know, one through 24. And on the 25th day, they go back to number one. It's constant ongoing reinforcement. Excellent reply. So, Sophia, anything else for our side or shall I do a recap? No, thank you very much, Shep. So Shep uh, was amazing today. We're, we're looking at the comments coming in, Shep. Very interesting. Thank you. Shep has been amazing. Great guest. Thank Let you. Thank say you. Shep has been amazing. I've been following his work for many years now. I'm truly honored and very happy to have him on the show. Shep has told us that if you do one job, you're doing customer service. But if you do three jobs, if you do more than expected, then you are on to customer experience. If you want to go for price, go for price. You can lower your price. You can be the Walmart if you dare do so and uh, you manage to do so. But if not, you, do, you will differentiate much easier if you provide an excellent customer experience. He also said that companies during the post-COVID era should be firm in terms of uh, dealing with safety procedures, but should be empathetic in terms of dealing with their customers who are going through a difficult time or a different time. 
last but not least, Shep has told us that customers want politeness, customers want their complaints resolved, and customers want, above all, to be a genuine human being like the Shep Hike and I experienced today. So, Shep, thank you very much for being on thank our you. show. Thank you so much for having me here. It's awesome. It's a pleasure. Thank you, dear friends and fans, for joining in. And we will be back with Jeffrey Gidomer in November. We'll be posting about it. And that's going to be another amazing show. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Sophia. Thank you, Shep.